Hey everyone, this is Marty Hines from Marty's MS Life, and you're listening to Grace Through Pain, A Journey to Hope. Let's go. Hey everybody. All right. Um, This is always a really interesting time of year for me, uh, the month of February, because so much happened to me four years ago um, around this time. And so for those of you that are watching, just wanted to put a trigger warning in there for uh, some of the photos that are going to be kind of showing up. Um, They are a little graphic and I don't want to make anyone upset again or trigger anyone. So just a heads up if you are watching today's episode. Um, that there's some content um, that's going to be showing up throughout. So I want to talk, we talked a little bit about listening to your body, knowing something's wrong and forcing your doctors to hear you and uh, find answers for you. And two years into my diagnosis, not even two years, honestly, maybe a year and a half, I had to fire my neurologist. Uh, I, it's hard for me to even tell this story. I've, I've told it uh, time, time and time again. I've told it before, but uh, I still get kind of tripped up. So please forgive me. In January of 2020, I woke up, I was on vacation, a mother-daughter trip in Napa with some of my close girlfriends and their moms. And I woke up with this excruciating pain um, in the right side, um, the right side and the left side of my face. Uh, but this pain was, it's, it's indescribable. I was screaming. I was clawing at my face. I was hitting anyone that was around me, um, begging, screaming, crying out in pain uh, for hours uh, to the point where I wound up blacking out from the pain. That's how um, excruciating it was. And since I was traveling, it's not like I could go to, you know, Cedar sinai and, you know, see my doctor immediately. Uh, when I spoke with her in our in-app messaging, she said that it seemed like I had something called trigeminal neuralgia. And that she could prescribe um, some Tegretol for me to take. um, And she would send it there for me to take that and come straight to the office, uh, to the doctor's office when I returned um, to Los Angeles. So I got those meds while on the trip. Um, They made me very groggy, um, dulled the pain, but not really, but I just was really groggy, really kind of out of it. and just in a lot of pain. I wind up going to see my neurologist in person and she, I felt like she minimized my pain. I felt like she didn't really understand uh, what it was I was going through. I didn't feel like she believed me. It, It felt very indifferent. It felt very dismissive. And she told me to just increase, um, the Tegretol that that was all that could be done, um, up the dosage. So I increased the dosage to what she recommended. I still was feeling a lot of pain. I wind up messaging her, um, 
on the emergency line late at night because this pain was still so excruciating. And she instructed me to increase it even more. With my brain fog and with what I had going on cognitively, I wanted to be sure that I knew what her instructions were. So I asked her to please message it to me in the app so that I could see specifically, you know, what it is that I was supposed to take. I I didn't want to make any mistakes. Um, She prescribed this higher dosage, you know, of this drug and I took it. I don't really remember much of what happened, but I do know that I stopped breathing in the middle of the night and my Apple watch actually called 911. I wound up breathing and was very, uh, just very shaken up by what had happened. And the ambulance was on its way. Uh, I called my family. I called some of my friends that were in Los Angeles, just kind of freaked out because I didn't understand what was happening to me. I didn't understand at the time that I had accidentally almost overdosed. That hadn't really uh, sunk in for me. I, I, I just didn't know what was going on and I was in a lot of pain. Uh, The ambulance came uh, because I had stopped breathing and we didn't know why I had stopped breathing and we didn't know what was kind of happening, even though it seemed like I was okay for the most part, I decided to go ahead and go to the hospital. And I was frustrated at the time because Cedars-Sinai didn't have any beds and I wasn't going to be able to go to Cedars. I was going to have to go um, to another hospital. And I was so frustrated because my care team was at Cedars-Sinai. But it was such a blessing. And and that's what I just kind of always lean into is when things aren't going the way that you want them to or the way that you feel that they should, sometimes that's how it was supposed to go. And so I really lean into things happening to us in the manner and the way that they should, that it is ordained and is the path that we're supposed to be on. So as frustrated as I was, I'm in this hospital that is not my hospital, not with my care team. And thankfully, because it wasn't with my care team, I was able to get new opinions. I was able to get second opinions. And I was very clearly told by the attending neurologist that I had trigeminal neuralgia, that this was something that people call the suicide disease because the pain levels were so high, I was immediately put on morphine uh, because they knew what my pain levels were just by that diagnosis. So I was validated. I was believed. I was being treated. I was, uh, my symptoms were being managed. Um, Obviously morphine is not a long-term solution. Uh, It very much is a Band-Aid, but it provided me the relief. It allowed my body to rest because I was having such high pain levels. Um, And this attending shared with me that after looking at an MRI that I had gotten at the hospital, that he 
recommended that I probably was going to need brain surgery. And I was floored. I, I was still learning so much about MS. And at that time, I hadn't heard or read about MS requiring brain surgery as being something that would be needed. And I just was in shock. I mean, I felt like I was back at August of 2018, hearing this news that I had this disease and just not understanding, not being able to compute, you know, what it is that was being said to me. I, I just, I just felt like my life wasn't mine anymore because I kept getting this news, this kind of, it felt like this back-to-back -back news that was upending my whole world. Uh, so I was in the hospital for a few more days and got released and was, you know, just told to meet with different neurosurgeons. And as I'm meeting with these different neurosurgeons, they're all kind of saying the same thing. There was an option for something called a gamma knife, which is more of a kind of radioactive laser, um, not invasive kind of procedure. Um, just different things that you, you know, can, can kind of do, but that for me, with the way that this blood vessel was sitting on this nerve, surgery was going to be um, the best bet. And that would be um, going into the back of my skull and inserting a little kind of Telfor pad to create a cushion between the nerve and the blood vessel. Um, but as I was talking to these neurosurgeons, they all were reconfirming for me that the dosage that my neurologist at the time had prescribed was dangerously high, especially considering all of the other nerve depressant medicines that I was taking, that most of us with MS are taking. So that's your gabapentin, that's your baclofen, that's your flexorol. Um, for some of us that have sleeping aids like clonopin or Ambien. So all of these things are depressing our nerve system, nervous systems. And to add in Tegretol or Triliptol at these high dosages, your nervous system shuts down. And that is how you wind up having a prescription accidental overdose. And that is what she gave me. I felt such betrayal. I felt such anger. I felt so vulnerable because, you know, you, especially at that stage of my journey with MS, I just believed whatever a doctor told me. I, I hadn't found my voice at all. And you trust, you trust these people. And if they tell you to take a particular medicine, you take it. I, I didn't, Back then, I, if you gave me a prescription, I, I took it. I wasn't really researching. I just believed what you told me. You know, now I use the free drug interactors that are online on CVS. I Google and read side effects. I ask you all in the community if you've taken this drug and, and how it's affected you. There, there's so much more 
due diligence that I do now before I start any type of new medicine. But back then, I I just took it without questioning because I just trusted that my doctor was doing all of that and had my best interests as their priority at all times. And her negligence, her lack of care, her thoughtlessness, moving too quickly. Probably I'm just, a, you know, another patient in the, the stack of her rounds. It, it almost cost me my life. I mean, can you imagine? I, I think about my family and for me to have spoken to them just hours before taking what had been prescribed to me, for them to get a phone call that I had died as a result of my doctor misprescribing me. How can someone even process that? It's alone that you've lost a loved one, but to process it that it was at the hands of their doctor's negligence? I was, I was just so hurt because I trusted this person and it's hard because they are very esteemed in the MS world. They still do speaking engagements. They are applauded and honored. They are credentialed and it's, it's very triggering to see them in this space getting all of these accolades when they almost cost me my life. And I just have to say that as much as what I talk about is grace and giving grace and this one was hard for me. This. I haven't been able to give grace um, to this doctor. And it's something that I still am working on. I, I'm still working on forgiving, especially when there was no apology and no ownership and no accountability. Uh, someone told me that, you know, doctors are practicing medicine. You know, it's their practice. And that's, that's what it is. Um, they don't have all the answers. Mistakes do happen. Mistakes are made. And unfortunately, in their field, their mistakes can be life-altering, life-threatening, life-ending. Um, and that's part of, part of what being a doctor is. And so that they have to kind of separate themselves a bit and have some distance because this is, this is their world, that they will have patients that die and it will be sometimes as a result of a mistake that they made. Um, and I get it. I, I can hear that. I, I receive that. But when you're talking about your own life, it's just that 
statement feels very clinical. It feels void of any type of emotion. And I can't think of any family or parent or spouse or child that would receive that answer or that response if they had lost a loved one. So this time of year is just always really hard for me because um, this week is the anniversary of my brain surgery. Uh, it was right before COVID. COVID wasn't really a thing yet. You know, people were getting sick um, in Asia, but it wasn't something that we really knew about fully here in the States. So um, surgeries and things were, were happening um, at like normal. Um, and this time four years ago, I became a brain surgery survivor. And for those of you that wear that badge as well, that are in that camp with me, um, I just want you to know that I love you. <laughs> I don't know you, but I love you. What we have survived, what we have persevered through, I'm so overwhelmed and humbled and grateful to be a part of this champion circle because it's not something that anyone can ever know or relate to. It's not something that can be described. It has made me, it has shaped so much of who I am now today, uh, having that experience and bringing my body back after such an invasive, invasive surgery. And I'm honoring that and I'm honoring my body this particular anniversary, this four-year anniversary by uh, running in my first half marathon. I cannot believe I'm saying that. I have been quietly training uh, since last July because if I'm being honest, I didn't really want to tell anyone um, in case I wasn't able to do it. I, I just was like, you know, I won't, no one will know. This is just something that no one will know I was trying to do, but I really wanted to do it. And I've had, you know, so many setbacks with life, with MS, with not being able to train and then being able to train. And I, I it's here, it's happening. It's uh, the Disney princess half marathon. I, I'm sure if you guys have noticed behind me, all it is is Disney. Um, my Disney art. So I thought it was very fitting to do a race and have it be a Disney race. It's also going to be great because the pressure's off. It's not, um, it's going to be intense, but it's going to be so much fun because there's going to be characters at the different mile markers and just things to kind of keep you motivated and keep you going. So I, I thought that this was going to be like the perfect, um, perfect way to celebrate uh, this milestone of being able to say that I am a brain surgery survivor and I am a trigeminal neurology warrior. Um, just to 
kind of close out my uh, TN is what we call it experience. You know, I get a lot of questions from you guys about TN pain and what to do and, and feeling so hopeless. And, you know, this microvascular decompression surgery is, is what it's called that I got um, MVD. This surgery is um, aggressive. It's a very aggressive approach to trigeminal neuralgia and it's scary, but my particular case and, and how it was presenting itself, my pain levels, um, I wasn't able to function. Um, the dosage of uh, prescription pills that I would have to take to bring my pain levels down had me almost catatonic. I, I couldn't function. Um, there was no quality of life. It, it wasn't sustainable. And so although I still have trigeminal neuralgia, I still have this facial pain daily. Um, right now, my pain is it's pretty high today. I'm, I'm around a six, which um, hurts. Uh, but my pain was above and beyond a 10. I mean, I would say somewhere between 12 and 15, if, if there was a way to, to kind of quantify it. And post-surgery, immediately, I mean, like within two days, still in the ICU, my pain dropped down to like an eight. And then as I continued to recover, my pain would come further down to like a five. Uh, I wound up doing a nerve block about six months after my surgery. And that really, I think, clicked things over to where now my pain for the most part stays right around a three or a four. And um, it consistently stays there. I do have these peaks and so as like today is a is a higher pain day but i think that's because i have just been doing a lot i'm stressed i know we're all stressed but um i think there's other factors in there that kind of have it flare up more but for me the surgery was so worth it i'm so glad that i did it um i hope to never do it again um but it was the right choice and decision for me. And you have to do what's best for you. And I'm definitely here for any questions that you guys want to talk about or go over in more detail. I have a few um, YouTube episodes uh, just that I filmed back in 2020, kind of detailing um, my diagnosis as well as my procedure. Um, so I'm going to put those up here in the end credits if you want to check out any of those episodes that just kind of share a lot more information, but you can always message me. I hope that you have subscribed and followed. If not, please subscribe and follow and um, follow me on Instagram. Message me there. Uh, I love talking to you. I love hearing from you. And I just hope that after listening to today's episode you can feel empowered to use your voice to ask questions to get loud and 
if you have to fire your doctor, fire your doctor. You don't owe them anything. They work for you. And sometimes they need to be reminded of that. And my experience has given me my voice. That That's honestly where I found my voice was this traumatic experience is what kind of brought me here. And, and I hope that you don't have to find your voice in that way. I hope that you can find it just on your own without the trauma. Um, but as I said earlier, the path that we're on, nothing is a mistake. God has a plan and it's brought me, it's brought me here today. So all I can have um, is gratitude. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week after I have completed my half marathon. Please be rooting for me. If you are in Orlando, come cheer me on. I will be in a tutu and a Tiana tiara because it's tiana's race you see i have tiana all hanging out here it's my girl um so wish me luck i can't wait to tell you all about it uh, i'm hoping to have um, another ms warrior who is a runner an actual runner uh, <laughs> on just to talk a little bit more about prep and how we did it but i need to actually complete it before we do that episode so um one thing at a time um thanks guys as always, show yourself some grace this week. Talk soon.